0: You're listening to the Pimpcron Podcast.
1: Well, good morning, good evening, wherever you are across the world, yada yada. This is the Pimpcron, this is the Pimpcron Warhammer Podcast. If you cannot tell, my voice has a bit of a frog in it. Um it's that time of year for people to get sick. But you know what? I see podcasts all the time, delayed and whatnot, because the people are sick. And I say, no. No. I'm not going to do that. So hopefully it does not bother you to hear me with a little bit of a weird voice. Uh, Hopefully I'll be better for next week. But this episode, we have a lot, oh, you know what, I didn't even do my my cold open intro, so this is the Pimpcron Warhammer podcast, I am Pimpcron. I'm joined by a bevy of different uh, guest hosts throughout the different segments, and we aim to ignite the flame of hobby in each and every one of you, and we cater to casual and fluff gamers in this podcast, so, uh, you know, one thing that's pretty exciting on the to-do list for mentioning is that this is episode 24. We have been one episode away from six full months of weekly podcasts, so I greatly appreciate it, Um, all the people that support us on Patreon, I greatly appreciate all the people that listen to the podcast, and uh, I'm I'm very excited to be reaching this six-month mark next week. I'm going to go over these in no particular order, which I always do. We have a, well, here's an idea let's try to stat out realistic Marines for the Warhammer 40k game and what exactly would they would be compared to what they are in the lore. And it's a pretty interesting discussion with just James and I, we also have a want that or want that not with just James and I with urban conquest set that they're just coming out with. We also have a Tesseract mailbox where we talk about people, um, suggesting we have a hobby segment talking about the games we've been playing or the things we've been working on that sort of thing. And, we also have a Let's Get Brutal with the Pimpcron" discussing the game design in the background of why and how I designed the points for brutality, and why exactly we have a no points version if you want to play with no points, and how we uh, aim to balance that, and I believe it's very balanced. And of course it's not just take whatever the hell you want and put it on the table, that's, that's GW's way, that is not my way, because game balance is paramount to me um but enough gw shit talking and uh that's what we discuss in the get brutal with the pimpcron finally we have the real talk with the Pemkron and we discuss hobby gripes with Mick Storman and that's always fun when Mick Storman is on the board with us and he uh he has a lot of you know he doesn't actually play warhammer but he does miniature painting and things like that so we have different just gripes about how people act or what people do that drive us up the wall and that's always fun. So, occasionally we like to give an old shout-out to one of our Patreon patrons, and today I'm going to be calling out Colin. Colin has been with me on Patreon ever since last summer when we opened up the Patreon um, for people that like to support our um, my articles or my podcast or Brutality or whatever, And he has been with me the entire time. I do not know him personally, so I will make up a bunch of shit. Colin is... He was actually Mr. America twice, back in 97 and 98. And um, he was briefly married to um, Charlize Theron in the early 2000s, I think he was. And he was... At one point, he was actually um, the... Tag team champion in the WWE with Kane, which I have always been a big uh they were called um Kala Kane is what they were called. And I was always a bit a big fan of them. Um if I ever meet Colin I'll, I'll get his autograph. Um other than that, Colin is a paragon of humanity and he gives all of his paychecks to charity. He's actually currently starving to death because he gives all of his money to charity, whatever he doesn't support us on Patreon with. So, I've rambled enough. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, everybody that support us on Patreon. And uh, that keeps us going. It keeps the, you know, it keeps the lights on on the old podcast, as they say. And, um, So far, we've been able to buy a nice boom mic. And we've been able to buy a mixer. It's a small mixer, but it's still a mixer. And hopefully our audio quality will be getting better and better as time goes on. Hopefully it's a stark contrast between episode one... Wife's Perspective of 40K, and episode 24, where Pimpcron has kind of a cold and a throat thing going on, and I hope it's not contagious over the airwaves. Anywho, thank you all for your support, and let's do this thing. Let's open the Tesseract Mailbox. Welcome to the section of the show where we discuss fan mail or fan voicemail or fan uh, dick pics sent to us via... No, I'm kidding. Don't don't send us a picture of your genitalia. Um, so, today I have two different messages that we have gotten over the past couple months. And we're always getting different segment suggestions for the podcast. And... These both come from two separate sources. Uh, One is actually the Facebook page and one is actually the email, which would be facebook.com slash pimpcron and pimpcron at gmail.com. I'll read them in no particular order because I do not recall when uh, I got them in relation to each other. The first one reads, Hey guys, I see a lot of podcasts doing hobby update segments where they talk about what they've been up to and what they've been painting. Since you are a bit more hobby-oriented, it comes as a surprise that you don't do that. Just a thought, enjoy the show, JT. And the next one is... Here, let me open it. The next one is... Afternoon, Pemkron. Whoa, did you just assume my time zone? <laughs> okay, a little presumptuous. You just mentioned segment suggestions. What about a moment to talk about recent games played or hobby stuff? I've heard other podcasts do this, and I always find it interesting. Some people could use some inspiration to get things done. Kevin. Well, I'm just kidding with you, Kevin. Um, I don't care what time zone you think I am. And uh, thank you for writing in, JT and Kevin. I want to say that I generally don't talk about my personal life uh, because I just figure people don't think it's very interesting. I guess when I listen to other podcasts, I don't mind hearing about their uh, their segments, you know, their personal life or whatever games they've played and whatnot. But I always just assume that people wouldn't be interested in mine. I don't plan on making this any some uh, sort of segment anytime soon, but maybe I will add it just to the, the beginning of each episode if I have anything interesting to talk about, although I don't like to delay the podcast getting on with itself. Um, being that you both have mentioned this, uh, one of those messages is at least a month old, so um, I, of course I reply to these people in, in private, but I, I haven't put it on the podcast yet. And um, so let me think for a second. I have been, so I go through different spurts. Like, I will paint like a crazy person for a couple weeks, and then I won't touch a brush for six months. That's the way I work. So, around Christmas time, I had acquired uh, a whole big army of Tomb Kings, and I have been doing a lot of painting for that. So, in literally a week and a half, I painted a Tomb King, a Necrotech, a Lich Priest, a Bone Giant, uh, uh, 6 Ushabti, 10 Tomb Guard, and just recently I painted my uh, Necrosphinx. So that's all very exciting. Um, Oh, also 3 Sepulchral Stalkers, however you pronounce that. And I have now just recently kind of gotten burned out with Tomb Kings, so as my... A hobby ADD, you know, kicks into high gear. I'm still in the mood to paint. So I have been working on my Celestial Lions, which is a real chapter from GW. And they are, um, I'm doing pretty much all Primaris. There's a whole backstory for them. And if, if you don't know what it is, then I'm not going to go into it here. But the point being that I have, I, I go into spurts with armies. So since I dropped Tomb Kings and have stopped painting on that recently, I have painted, let me think for my Celestial Lions, I have finished assembling and painting my Redemptor Dreadnought, and, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm um, painting and assembling and painting my Repulsor, which uh, has been grey plastic and not completely finished assembled for a long time, and I just assembled a Redemptor, which I believe you'll hear about later in this episode of the podcast, and, or it might be in the next, I'm not certain and i have been playing a lot of warhammer uh i this is the first time i ever played against nagash the other day just james and i teamed up against our friend justin uh just justin maybe and he brought nagash he's got a really nicely painted nagash model and uh he he plays a lot of legions in Nagash. anyway and nagash i gotta tell you is a pretty gross model uh eight spells a turn on un- unwounded is is pretty gross and, um, but we actually did manage to squeak out a win there. Uh, we did the objective game where the objectives move around. I forget which one that's called. And luckily, mo- mostly moved in our favor. So that was that was pretty good. Uh, just James was playing his Skaven, and I was playing uh, it's Your Boy, Tomb Kings, because I'm on the Tomb Kings High right now. So as far as other hobby stuff, I think that's about it. I just finished the second supplement for Brutality, and uh, we released that. And I've been, um, oh, uh, we have been in the works with the company to make us tokens for brutality for people to purchase if they wanted, because there's a lot of status effects and things like that. And, um, I have already ordered the prototypes, so they should be to me within the next, I don't know, two weeks or so, something like that. Sometime in February, probably. And, um, what else? Of course, the regular articles. Of course, the regular podcast. I think that's about it for, uh, for my hobby progress. So I think I will occasionally mention this if I have something particularly interesting to do, but I don't think I'm going to make a segment out of it because I find myself incredibly boring sometimes when I'm not being awesome. Thanks for writing in, guys. Want that or want that not? Josh James and the Pimp are going to be reviewing the Warhammer 40k Urban Conquest box. So, what do you think of this box? First of all, what's in it? Uh, It
2: has pieces of terrain which are not buildings.
1: Ooh, pieces of terrain which aren't
2: buildings. There is fallen over statues. Ooh. A... Some kind of great thing.
1: I can only get so erect, James. Please stop.
2: And four things that have little spindly, spindly stand-up things. I don't know what they are.
1: Um, I think that's from Star Trek, actually. Those are um, uh, uh, transporter transponders, I think. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, from Star Trek. Lame. Yep. Um. So let me get this straight. You're telling me that an urban conquest box comes with no buildings... And only some scatter terrain, which will probably not be big enough to give me area cover. Correct. Wow. That's really cool. How much would you pay for that? Uh, $20, $30, 40 Somewhere around there. No, for the low, low price of $100. $100. Exactly. Now, with this set, you get apparently a sheet of stickers. <laughs> not just one. <laughs> oh no, four sheets of four stickers. Four sheets yes. of stickers. And you also get not one, not two, not three, but four different decks which I am not sure of what their contents are. Mm. Yeah, this is this is pretty exciting. So, what on earth also oh, that comes with a book. So, what uh, on earth? Well, I'm sold. Yeah, yeah, a book. For, I mean, I'd buy just I'd buy just those transporter transponders for 100 bucks. <laughs> uh so also, it does come with the objective markers from the objective marker box set, you know the um uh, the thing where they're uh, torturing people on the on the bed and whatever. Yeah. So this looks like hot garbage to me. Yes, a hundred dollars for quote unquote urban conquest and no buildings. Yep. Excellent. So
2: yeah, they could. They sh- this should have been models of you know different armies or buildings to make it look like an urban place place of urbanism
1: this looks more like instead of a place of urbanism as you so eloquently put it <laughs> this looks more like uh like they tore everything down and they're gonna put up a walmart like that's to <laughs> me that's like Oh dude, remember that statue? We used to we used to smoke behind that statue. Remember that? <laughs> oh man, times are changing. Up comes the Walmart. Like that's basically <laughs> this is what this looks like. So, I I just I honestly cannot say enough bad things about this. So, let's let's just swipe through, okay? We've got a book, Urban Conquest. That's exciting, right? Then we have well, it's some sort of token sheet which I don't even care to know what that is. Then we have a deck of cards, another deck of cards, another deck of cards, and a smaller deck of cards, followed by four sticker sheets. Well, oh, another deck of cards. If you act now, you get a fifth deck of cards. And then some non-area terrain, which is hot garbage. Yes. I'm being a negative, Nancy, but I really am not feeling this at all for a freaking hundred dollars.
2: No, definitely not. Get it for a hundred dollars. Um,
1: uh, so, how much would you pay for this? Assuming the book has value for your campaign or whatever, how much would you actually pay for this?
2: Um, I would say probably fifty. Yeah. Forty-five, fifty.
1: I agree with you. Fifty bucks, something like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in this edition where area terrain is the only thing that even gives you cover, they included exactly zero area terrain.
2: Right. And um,
1: no buildings. Yeah.
2: And the, the uh, rate of you playing it is definitely not worth it. Because uh, think of how many times you can get someone to play 40K, regular 40K. I mean, here we're fine. You know, we got, you know, once a week, mm-hmm. sometimes two. But there's other people that are don't really have that many people around them to play uh, 40k that often with. And then they want to play that game.
1: And God knows, I mean...
2: Trying to get someone else to do it.
1: Yeah. It's it's like that old thing. Remember when they had mysterious objectives and all that and no one ever played with mysterious objectives? Yeah. Yeah. Because isn't in the core rulebook right now for 8th edition, aren't there advanced rules for like urban settings and whatever?
2: Uh yeah, there there's cities of death.
1: Is that in the main rule book? That's
2: in yeah, that's in the main rule book.
1: Okay. So let's count on let's you and I both hold up our hands how many times both of us have used those rules in the almost two years that eighth edition has been out, okay?
2: Why aren't you raising your hand?
1: One, two, three. I've got no fingers up, do you? No. Wow, that's neat. So I'm definitely gonna pay a hundred dollars for this. I know I'm coming off really bitter, but this just seems like stupid.
2: Especially since the the uh, basic rule book was sixty yeah I mean of course it's for those uh, the terrain is why it's costing that high
1: honestly I don't know why the terrain's in there because if it's not gonna give you a benefit on the field right I mean they might have some sort of stupid special rule kind of like the the shattered Aquila has yeah you know I forget what it is nobody even uses it but
2: the the statue the imperial statue guy gives imperium guys uh some Something leadership, yeah. Yeah,
1: it's it's stupid. So, anyway, this is also the segment of the show where we shit on things that we don't like, and um, that's it.
2: Do you like it or don't you like it?
1: Oh, I'm. I'll probably buy two.
2: Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I caught y'all guard there, didn't
2: I? Yeah. Well, I was talking to the viewers. Oh. Okay. the viewers the people that are viewing this podcast and not listening to it
1: yeah uh so anyway yeah i'm definitely uh uh want that not how about you
2: uh want that not mind
1: blown now here's an idea The dynamic duo, Pimpcron and Just James, are here again today. Hello, Mr. Just James. Hello. Alright, you always sound so excited to be here. I'm super excited. (laughs) So, today we wanted to discuss how could they make Space Marines fit the lore in the game. Does that sentence make any sense? (laughs) So, (laughs) So... How could they change the stats of Space Marines and the points, et cetera, to make them feel like they do in the narrative stories that they write? So how do they treat Space Marines in the lore, in the background?
2: Uh, They're pretty much like walking tanks. Mm -hmm. They can take a lot of punishment and and dish it out as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody should be afraid of them because they're giants. Um, And they're really tough, like tanks.
1: They're like freaking awesome, like yeah. you know. I mean, I know it was just a video game, like but
2: Popeye's chicken. But what? Someone, someone comment about that reference.
1: Okay, um, that one went over my head. I don't get that one. But uh, you know, like in the Space Marine game, you're one Space Marine. You kill like what 500 and some more. Yeah. Like, yeah. Damn. The least they could have done was give them Terminator armor if they're gonna do that. You know, yeah. and act like. So Space Marines in the stories, because I've, I've read multiple books. I know you have, too, and heard the audio stories and all that. And one Space Marine, is he's the gift that keeps on giving. Like, he gets his arm cut off and doesn't care. And, and you know, he's massive and he crushes people's throats just with his fist. And he's, yep. you know, falling. One story, uh, I think it was with Space Wolves. It was an audio story we were, we were listening to um, with Orc Dave. And uh, it was on a road trip. And the space marine, I think it was a space wolf, was fighting dark eldar, and he was on one of their raiders. Yeah. And he's taking on like this whole ten man squad.
2: Some old bullshit right here. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> he's just he's just beating the crap out of them, and then he ends up getting knocked off the raider, if I remember correctly, and falls onto another raider or something like that. Uh, yeah. And then f- kills all of them, and I'm like, one space marine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The the dark eldar would have ate him alive.
1: Uh, splinterax. Motherfucker.
2: Yeah, which is
1: uh, yeah. So I mean, come on, with his one wound and his toughness, four big whoop de doo Yeah, we've got a six of feel no pain. Take that. Suck it. <laughs> so, what do you think they could do to make Space Marines feel more like they do in the lore? Like, because you know, I think that Primaris are a good in. They're a step in the right direction, right? Right. I mean, two wounds and all that, but... um, Uh, it's pretty much...
2: It's a death to custodes. That's pretty much what the Space Marines should be.
1: Yeah. I guess you're right. And what are they, two wounds? Three wounds?
2: They're three wounds. Toughness five, two-up save. Okay. Five-up invuln.
1: So that basically does...
2: Four-up if they're all... if it's one detachment.
1: So that does basically feel like the way that Space Marines should... Be rand and how many points are they roughly? Uh, thirty. I think it was thirty each. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do they hit on threes?
2: They hit on twos. Ooh, weapon skill and skill two.
1: Good God! So that you're right. I I didn't expect to come to a conclusion this quickly, but custodes seem like they're the thing. Yeah. So, uh, because actually, I was gonna say, you know, toughness five is not quite enough to make them act like they do in the lore i mean toughness five is a good is a good step and i think primaris having two wounds is a good step but i would at least say toughness five two wounds for sure and then some sort of involve or maybe some sort of feeling of pain you know they have all these organs
2: yeah they have what two hearts
1: yeah and don't doesn't their blood coagulate quickly it's got like a uh, blood stop uh, i think so yeah and they can they um, spit acid yeah, they spit acid. When is the last time Space Marines spat acid? You know.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's what they should have in uh, uh, close combat. You know, if you're modeled with your helmet off, you get like you could do mortal wounds on a six or something like that.
1: Or you have like a three-inch pistol. <laughs> it's, it's called acid spit. Uh, yeah, and
2: one's called Hakalugi, and you do the three mortal wounds.
1: But only one per five people. Yes, yeah. yeah. The sergeant can do it. Not everyone has, like, a sinus infection, so they can't. <laughs> yeah. So, and I guess
2: it gets worse when you're fighting Nurgle. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, uh, there should be a stratagem, though, that your opponent can give you antibiotics, so then you can't use it anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay, so if space marines became custodes, right, stat-wise, and points and all of that, which I really feel like they should, then what would Terminators be? Stat-wise. Uh, well, they would be that times two. Times two?
2: Yeah. Man. Toughness
1: ten. T- oh, toughness ten. No, I, I meant wounds. <laughs> I meant wounds. I was like, dude, six wounds for Terminator? So, yeah, six wounds. Dude. Two up save. God, yeah. can you even imagine that? I mean, really, I would like to try those. What if, you know, because Terminators are... Um,
2: well, yeah, the Aloris Custodes. I think they are four or five wins, so that's almost close. What What is that? The they're uh, that's Custodes Terminators. The,
1: they have Terminators. Yeah. Why have I not seen this? Do they all look the same?
2: They they're a little bit bulkier than. Do you the have any? Yes, I do. I have six of them.
1: I don't remember seeing them, but like I said, it's all gold. So I'm yeah, really...
2: I love gold. <laughs>
1: comment about that reference stop scraping your skin and eating the flex that's gross <laughs> that's really gross um so oh man so what if what if you played a game where your space marines were you you use the basically the roles for custodes right yes and then you know terminators in the lore are called uh tactical dreadnought armor is what terminator armor actually is oh yeah did you know that yeah yeah so if it's tactical dreadnought armor Shouldn't they be statted and pointed out to be basically what we use a Dreadnought as right now? Uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, maybe just slightly less. What's a Dreadnought? Eight wounds? Uh, something like that.
2: Somewhere between
1: eight and ten. Okay, so, I mean, maybe not eight or ten wounds for the Terminator, because it is, you know, smaller and whatnot. But what if you did do, like, um, the Custodes Terminators? Well, they're only extra wound, is all, all that is? Um,
2: yeah, because you can't go higher than a 2-up save.
1: Yeah, so do they have a better involve or something? No. Okay, well, I like the idea better to have Terminators being, like, mini Dreadnoughts, because they're supposed to be. Yes. So, the Dreadnought stats, I think, are a little much. To have 10 wounds on a Terminator seems a bit much. What, Toughness 6, 7? Uh, Toughness 7. Yeah, toughness to 7. That seems a bit much. But, um... I wonder if you played a game... It would it would feel pretty badass, though.
2: Although, the difference between toughness 6 and 7 isn't much.
1: You know... Well, actually, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Um, Are, are the Terminators for Custodes, are they toughness 6? No, they're toughness 5. Okay, so what if we did this? What if we, for Terminators... You you made them the Custodes characters. Because I'm sure they're like five wounds or something, right? Six wounds for uh HQ? Yes. So just pay the points for the Custodes characters as your Terminators. Right. So then they would feel like real, you know, like they should. Like real beefy and whatnot. Yeah, going out by themselves. Yeah. So that, I would actually like to play a game of that. Where you actually pay Custodes points for all your Space Marines... You'd have very little on the board, and then you pay for the custodes heroes to be your terminators.
2: Uh, that would be fine and all, but, um, you know their war gear is different because they all have their their guardian spears or their sentinel blades.
1: What if you just use the terminator, uh, you know, equipment, power fists and. Like, gave them all the right... Re- you know, balters and whatnot for the um, Space Marines. Yeah, you know, just regular stuff. I mean, that would make them a little weaker, but... Um,
2: so pay the points for the body. But, yeah. And then the war gear.
1: And the war gear for the Space Marines. That would be I, fine. I would like to see that. I would like to play a game, like, versus Tyranids or something, where you've got, like, oh, cool, I've got my 12 Space Marines. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they're just chewing through people. Oh, be- yeah.
2: You remember the... Uh- one game we did, I played my Custodes, and you played either Gene Stealer Called or Tyranids. And you had like 30 tier, uh, Gene Stealers surrounding my one uh, uh, Custodes hero, uh-huh. the Watch Captain. And he almost survived uh, by one wound. But
1: he beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Because um, I was like, oh, I, you know, with rending claws and all this, I got this in the bag. Like, this is, you know, this is going to be easy. And what's he have, a four-up involved? He
2: had a four-up involved.
1: Yeah. So that's that's pretty amazing, actually, if you think about that. Um, So that is basically how I think we'd treat it. You know, prior to Custodes, I don't know how we would have kitted this out for Space Marines, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know either. So just to be clear, you would make the space marines custodes but keep their war gear and you would make the terminators into the what are they called for custodes oh
2: alaris terminators uh but you said the heroes the The watch yeah
1: so make each terminator a watch captain watch captain i i forget what they were called yeah but anyway and they'd get more attacks too i think watch captains are death watch oh makes sense um anyway I think that's a pretty cool idea, and I would love to hear if any of you try that. Uh, we did, remember, we played a game. Now, this is a long time ago. You may not remember this. We played a game where we tried to make realistic space marines, and each space marine was basically a captain or a chapter master. Is yeah. is how we paid, paid the points for it. I don't remember how the battle went or any of that, but we really wanted to try a realistic, quote-unquote, space marine.
2: Um, Aren't they called... Like movie marines, I think they're people have been calling them.
1: Oh, is that is that like a fan made thing?
2: Yeah, where they're all every space marine is a uh, captain.
1: Oh well, that's I mean that would still work out well because what five wounds something like that. Yeah, still tough four though. Tough four is kind of crappy. Yeah. Um, make them all Nurgle captains.
2: But they would have their uh four up in volume.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, and see, that four-up interval would would basically represent their feel-no-pain, their regenerative properties, their multiple organs, all that. Yep. That's got me really excited for this. (laughs) I can see. (laughs) Oh, I better sit down. All right. (laughs) Anyway, thanks for being on with me, uh, Just James. No problem. And we are here to fix the space marine problem. Hey, listen up. I've got a secret. Uh, it's about the Patreon. Okay. I have started releasing exclusive missions and eventually campaign trees and maps for my patrons on a monthly basis. That's right. And eventually we're going to have a publication where we collect all of those together and the the patrons will have a free access to the PDFs and get discounts on the paperback and whatnot. So I just wanted to pass that along. Uh, I know you've never, ever heard me mention Patreon before, but if you love freedom and you love America, and even if you don't love those two things, go to patreon.com slash I You know what? I can't even say my own name. Slash pimpcron and uh, support whatever causes are dear to you. By supporting me.
0: Now it's time for Real Talk with Pentcron.
1: Today I am joined by Mick Storman. Say hello to the folks, Mick Storman. Hola. Yes. For all of our Espanol listeners. There's a lot. There could be. A whole mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was looking at our, uh, this is a little off topic, but yeah. I was looking at the geography of our listeners, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and we apparently have 17 listeners in Brazil. Oh, wow. So now my understanding is they don't actually speak Spanish. They have a Brazilian version of, of language, but um, hey, that's... That's kind of Spanish. Yeah, yeah, it's,
0: huh. it's the same ballpark. I, it's I more guess. Spanish
1: than Canadian. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, those Canadians they speak in Spanish.
0: So, don't, don't send us hate mail, people, please. Oh, I will I'm sure someone out there offended by that, but
1: and if you do send it to us in Espanol, yes, so and we will can't translate it, but we'll send us positive <laughs> and wonderful feedback. And I'll read it. Yeah, I'll read it. I don't care.
0: Biblioteca. Well, yeah. Spanish, that,
1: that's Spanish, really? yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, that's yeah, completely yeah. off topic. But, um, so what we were talking about today is well, our well, here's an idea: is that we don't always agree with the common, uh, common sense, or what would you say, the common, the bandwagon, the bandwagon for painting and hobby.
0: So, what specifically is something that really irks you in the hobby? Okay, well, I'm I'm super new. I'm sure in the other podcasts you listen to know that I'm new to the hobby. And I I watch a lot of videos online, just different painting techniques like and how people do things. Oh <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I gotta get my you know skill up. Okay. When it comes to painting, the wrist strength. Is. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, one thing that irritates me is that it seems like every video it says you have to thin your paints, and it's almost insulting because a lot of the videos they say only amateurs don't thin their paints. Uh huh. And I, I don't... I'm an amateur. I could claim that. That's fine. Call me an amateur. But I got a lot of friends that paint... They don't thin their paints at all. And they're really good. Like high quality paint. They paint their miniatures at high quality. Uh-huh. So why is this big stigma about you have to thin your paints. And if you do do not thin your paints, you're just some schmuck.
1: I, I don't know. I'm actually in the same opinion that you are on it. Because I don't thin my paints a lot. Now, occasionally... If I open up my pot of paint and it's get, like getting thick, like yeah. it's drying out, you add a, a drop or two of water and shake it up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's no big deal. Yeah. But as far as actually thinning my paints every time I paint, there's no way I never ever do I just that. don't
0: understand. Like, there's a lot of videos where, and everyone's on the same bandwagon too. Uh uh-huh. Like, I just don't understand because I painted myself and it looks fine, not, th- not thinned out. Uh-huh. I, what I do, I, I just, I barely put my brush into the paint like barely dip it uh-huh and it's not thick it doesn't hide details like they say it's always going to hide the details if you don't thin your paints like, and i never had that problem yet so i don't get it where they say they say where you have to th- i just don't and the the stupid thing too is it's like the go-to phrase
1: uh you know like when people try to sound smart mm-hmm. and they have like the same catchphrases mm-hmm. they always say the same thing whether it's about politics or whatever they yep. always have the same catchphrase yep. And, um, so it's the same thing with this. Like I see people post their pictures of models they painted and the model looks perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with it. And like five out of
0: 10 of the comments
1: are thin your paints. Yeah.
0: What the hell? (laughs) It's it's such like a backhand insult. It just, I don't, it's not, I don't know. I don't get it. I maybe I like, I'm still new to this, but I've been painting for a long time
1: and I'm in no way a professional. Um, I just paint a tabletop standard, mm-hmm. you know, but and it looks
0: really good. That's, that's the same. but people's all, oh, you got to thin your paints. You got to, or or, or the, a meteor is going to come down your house and kill you. I mean, that's how they, they talk on some of these videos.
1: And also what's the point of two thin paint, the uh, thin coats, right? Uh-huh. Instead of just one regular coat. And I'm not talking a thick coat. I'm yeah. just talking a regular coat. Yeah. Like I don't
0: be l- very liberal with the paintbrush, not, you know, the paint and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. And of course you're not gobbing the paint on that's,
0: yeah. that would be stupid. We're not five-year-olds. But everybody's, oh, thin your paints, thin your paints. And I, I've never understood I, that. I, I know. I just, I don't, I mean, I watched a lot. There's so many videos online, and every one of them says you have to, like almost like it's against the law if you don't. <laughs> I'm serious. You should watch, I am not sure if you've seen them, but I I don't, I've seen a bunch really. of them. And they're, they're bad. Like, you gotta thin your paints. <laughs> Or your mom's gonna die, or something like. A, a, so
1: there's a really good painter. It's adult. like a religious
0: thing, or something. It's,
1: it's a go-to thing, and they can sound like they're smart mm-hmm. and sound like they're skilled. Mm-hmm. And by just saying this little phrase,
0: yeah, like, there's it's mo- it's like the echo chamber. They yes, because just because so and so said, it, I gotta say it too.
1: Now, have you ever heard of Duncan from Games Workshop?
0: Duncan, no, no, okay, well, honestly,
1: yeah. uh, you you would have to watch their Warhammer TV videos, mm-hmm. and he has t- painting videos. And he's, of course, like a world-class painter. He's Mm -hmm. an excellent painter. And um, when he started these videos is kind of the culmination of when they started using this phrase. Because he always says, remember to thin your paints, and two thin coats is better than one thick coat. Mm -hmm. But he's not being a dick about it. He's just saying this is how he paints. And for him, for people on his level, I definitely could see where you would want to do like a a ton of little teeny thin paints to, Uh you know, like make the color grade from, you know, one color to another or whatever. Yeah. But for the average person, we're not painting on that level, so I don't, you know, that's, but see, it's when he had his show, when uh-huh. that started, like, two years ago, that's when everyone started saying, oh, then you're painting, yeah, then you're They, your can't, parents, they oh. can't think
0: for themselves and try something, because maybe he's totally wrong, just because he's, <laughs> I mean, just because you're at an authoritative position where you, people, you're at a prestigious position or title. Mm-hmm doesn't mean that person's right <laughs> i mean yeah i i, I so call. He's, he's basically another bob barker on price is right spade new to your pets spade, <laughs> like why you got spade new to your pets and everyone's going around like chopping their pets' stuff off and that's so messed up what if your pets want to keep their junk you know that's true that's wrong like why you got just because bob barker on prices oh he's on tv he must be right it's the same thing with this guy and his, his podcast yeah just because oh, then your paint well, oh, he's got to be right because he's on he's on Games Workshop podcast. He's got to be right.
1: Well, admittedly, he is really great painter. Yeah, but like, still so, make still
0: doesn't make him right though. Yeah, His painting it, is all objective, isn't it? Uh, uh, what you like and what you get out of it. Yeah, and some people might like a a miniature that's not thinned. Yeah, paint wise. Um, I bet you you cannot tell if you had a two professionals paint with. Thin paint and non-thin paint. I bet you couldn't tell.
1: And, of course, I the, first, the first
0: thing everyone's going to jump to is, oh, it'd be
1: globbed on. I'm not talking about thick paint. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, just because so, your water, your paint is not thinned mm-hmm. doesn't mean it's not, like, regular paint. Yeah I, yeah. I
0: just don't, I don't change my mind, I guess you can say. Yeah. But <laughs> I just, I just, as an amateur, I just, I just, I don't get it. I don't so,
1: get it. one thing that really,
0: really irks me, I don't
1: know if you're aware of this or not, is that people will paint models still on the sprue. Like the sprue that the parts come Uh on, they don't assemble the model. They don't even take the parts off of the sprue. Mm -hmm. They just like prime it and paint it and they will fully paint pieces before gluing them together. And then they have to snip them off. And when you snip them off, all the parts that were connected are not painted. So then you're gonna have to go back and touch up all those little teeny spots and doesn't that seem stupid to you
0: Uh, that doesn't make sense at all it just that's yeah wow and
1: like some some models are really intricate like tons of like ribbons and and movement and effects and all that and sometimes you can't quite get your brush like in there to paint properly yeah but uh so i mean sometimes it makes sense not to fully assemble the model yeah like assemble one half and assemble the other half and then paint them individually then glue them together but uh, it drives me up the wall when people paint on
0: the sprue. But honestly, though, the people that do do that, at least there's no videos online saying, "Oh, you can- only amateurs <laughs> paint on the sprue." What's the sprue? Sprue. Sprue before they put them together. You know what I mean? There's no, no one's condemning them, so. Well, I, I am. I- I- well, you are a little <laughs> yeah. bit. But but you know, you're like one. I video- never seen any video where they're knocking people that do that. So at least they're cool. Doing it, whatever, whatever makes you happy, fine. But at least you're not being, like, called an amateur because you do that.
1: I mean, ultimately, I don't care that they do it. But yeah. to me, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, oh, no, I agree like, with you. Why I, would I, you... I, I, I
0: totally totally agree with that. I just, yeah, I, it, doesn't, yeah it doesn't make sense to me either. Why just, just put it together, glue it, and only do one paint and be done.
1: And also, why would you go through, because, you know, a lot of people will do, like, a base coat and then a wash and then mm-hmm. a highlight and then this and that. But then you're going to have to do all those steps to these little, little unpainted pieces.
0: spots. Like I don't understand, especially if you're you're painting a miniature where you want to have really good shadow on one part of the armor and not shadow on the other uh-huh. and then if you don't do it right you put it together and it's not going to look right. The shadow effect is going to be You don't know how blotchy. it's all relative to each other. Yeah, it's, Yeah, it's, when it's, it's not. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's Unless, you, unless you're really good at. It. I mean, if, if it works for you fine, I'm not this not I'm not knocking that either. I just but so, I, I don't get it.
1: What's your opinion on priming models before you paint them?
0: Priming? Uh, uh, I, I well, to be honest with you. I've only, I've only primed and painted. I haven't done anything. I never did anything else. So I couldn't tell you the difference oh. between the two, to be honest with you. I, I've always primed before I painted.
1: So the idea behind priming it, mm-hmm. supposedly, is that the prime paint will stick to the model mm-hmm. better than your brush on paint. Mm-hmm. So then you do that. But, um, Mm -hmm. I see a lot of people online that don't prime their models. Mm. Matter of fact, someone from our store doesn't prime their models. He just paints on the
0: plastic ones. You don't need to prime plastic. They even say plastic. You could just paint.
1: That's what they say. I don't, I don't know. I've always been leery to try it because I always felt like the paint would come off easy. Yeah. Like it would chip off or whatever. Um, So that's something that I'm pretty iffy on. I mean, but also, you know, I use the darkness from the, I always prime black. Yeah,
0: and highs, and I get that aspect of it.
1: So you can dry brush over it, and, you know, like your recesses are darker, um, things like that. And um, some people prime white,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and that seems like it's extra work. Yep. Because, okay, so if you're going to prime, I could see if you're doing like light colors, you Mm -hmm. prime white. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing dark colors, you're going to prime the whole model white. And then you're gonna have to like let's say he's got a blue shirt, yeah. right? And it's got, you know, like um like folds and ripples. It's a regular shirt. Yeah. So you're gonna have to then paint all that white, like dark blue, and then you're gonna have to like highlight layers. it. Yeah. Highlight that, and then maybe wash it or something to give it that that shade effect. Mm-hmm. When if you just try brushed over black, you'd already have that shade effect. Yep. It seems that also redundant. seems <laughs> Yes. It seems redundant. It's like Hey, I've got this model. I'm going to prime it a color that doesn't go along with what I'm trying to do with it. Yeah,
0: you know. I mean, I get the aspect of priming, and because I used to, you know, folks, you know, up, you know, I did 10 years in the Coast Guard, and most of my job was, A good part of it was painting a ship, <laughs> and while you'd sand down the bare metal. And well, bare metal, you got to cover it with primer. And then once you cover it with primer, then you can actually put the
1: paint on it. Because it supposedly sticks, it sticks better. better. Yeah, yeah, it does.
0: Right. It, otherwise, it would just flake off. The, the top coat would flake off. But the thing with primer is that you only get a shelf life of like two days. If you don't paint in those two days, say you, you prime the miniature and it sat for a while, it's, it doesn't stick as well as though if you did it right off the way. Because primer has a shelf life. Really? But if you do wait after a couple of days, you're technically supposed to rough up the primer, make it rough so the and then clean it, and then your paint will stick to it really well. And I know some people, even while I was in the Coast Guard, some old crusty chiefs would would prime, and it's and it's too fret. Uh, you know, after it dries, do it. Stew, sand it, just give it a rough effect, and then uh-huh. they would paint over top of it. And they swore up and down that it, that paint will stick on for a couple of years before coming off. Huh. So now
1: I wonder if that's applicable to miniatures or not, because you know miniatures don't get the rubbing mm-hmm. and the and the. Yeah, it's
0: hard to sand sand something like that. Yeah. But another thing, another technique I learned, um, and a lot of old-timers swore by, is when they um, th- they would pull their boats out of the water, they would sand, sand the bottom or whatever down to bare metal, prime it, and then paint it. And then, well, even when the paint's too wet, they would, they would dip their boat back in the water. What? And that would seal, give a really good seal on the boat. And people do it to this day um, down in Crisfield, and they swear by it that so, seems odd yeah it'd be interesting to try it one day too if anyone wants to try it take a miniature prime it paint it and just dip it in water and or at least prime it and dip it in water and see if it really holds um that's interesting well i
1: wonder if it's the same is that acrylic but paint on this boat? I, I
0: don't Oh well, no i'm sure it's, it's like epoxy or it's some, of it's, some of it's a mixture but they swear even oh actually matter of fact the bottom paint on my boat we uh, we put was well, this is bottom paint that primer a little different, but we, we put bottom paint on the bottom of my boat and we splashed it the same day and it, it never came off. That's interesting. So it'd be interesting to try it with a miniature. Um, you know, you might discover something new. It might be a really make. Cause they people swear it hardens it up even better? And I don't know. That would
1: be interesting to prime a model. Wait till it's not quite dry and, and dip then it. dip it. Yeah, yeah and see it, what happens. Then you gotta wait
0: till it dries and then or then you could paint it or whatever. So.
1: If, if that did work mm-hmm. and hardened the primer, mm-hmm. it might be worth doing on metal models because yeah. they have a tendency to rub off yeah. more than plastic does. Yes. So that's interesting. Well, if anybody uh, happens to try that, let me know. Um, I have had models that i was priming and it starts raining
0: uh-huh.
1: and they get like splashes of water, water but it didn't seem to do much but i didn't like like get the whole model well obviously yeah. i take them inside so oh yeah i got you um but i did notice though that the primer didn't wash
0: off mm-hmm. so that's kind of interesting Ooh, has, it, has it? it's a little bit off topic but has anyone ever put glitter in their paint and then painted the glitter mixed in the paint that'd be kind of um, cool
1: maybe i had a friend at one point that had um that he planted his whole army with car uh-huh. the color changing paint uh-huh. oh, and it was cool looking
0: that's cool that
1: he said it was kind of a bitch though because that car paint's kind of thick uh, and um it's not acrylic it's mm. it's i guess oil or so, whatever the change color with the temperature i assume N- no like when you rotate the model oh uh, like it oh, would go shimmer. from like a shimmer yeah oh, like you cool. know it goes from
0: blue to red or whatever that'd be cool to do some weapons like that
1: yeah and the army looked really cool i don't know what he did oh, with wow. it oh wow but um, he could
0: do that Interesting. Yeah, but I'm sure, like he said, the the well, paint like, was is it a lot like a thicker. spray paint, or, is, or or I guess it's thicker, so it's got to be out of it some I sort of can. I think he
1: I think he brushed it on. Is it, is it a one part, or is it two I, parts? I don't know. I never asked him specifics.
0: Huh. I don't looked that up. So it's what's it called color changing paint.
1: Yeah, it's for cars. So whatever that's called, like huh. chameleon, you know, you walk around yeah, the car, yeah, that shimmer. Or flick yeah, or... and as you look at it from different angles, mm. it changes color, and um, that's really
0: cool, huh?
1: Yep. So anyway, we're a little off topic, but um we're just talking about hobby stuff, so whatever. And uh, do you have anything else to add?
0: No, that's about it. That's it. Okay. Oh I gotta say you folks that make those videos and you're insulting people <laughs> about then your paints, then your paints. It's really annoying and it's getting old and stop doing it. <laughs> it just it just it's it's like it's so it's mean. Like, what if I don't want to thin my paints? <laughs> Screw you. That's, I, I naturally get defensive. I'm like i, I <laughs> I find myself yelling at the computer. I'm like, "Well, screw you, buddy! I'm not going to thin my paints." Just because you your told me no. My wife is like, "Who are you talking to?" Know, like, my kids come in sometimes. Like, "Why are you doing that?" I'm like, I'm, "I don't know." Why well, are you punching the I computer? Got, I, I got no life. I'm yelling at this guy. Tell me, thin my paints, and and I'm like, "No, you don't have to thin your pants." So I don't know. Tell me I'm wrong. Please, calling folks, let us know if you agree, disagree. Because I would love to hear your opinion on this, too. Am I the only one? Is Scott the only one, too? Like.
1: So the phone number is 419-972-1811. You can also reach us at pimpcron at gmail.com and facebook.com slash pimpcron. And uh, let us know exactly what you think about that. And also let us know if you try the wetting your primer thing. That's kind of interesting. So, all right. That's the, that's the end. Toodles.
0: Let's get brutal.
1: Welcome to Let's Get Brutal with the PimpCron, where we discuss my free rules, use your own models, 28mm Skirmish War game with RPG light elements and complete character customization. This segment I wanted to discuss some of the actual design ideas that I had behind Brutality when I was making it. And one thing that was important to me is that you had a way to play with points and you had a play a way to play without points. So, I guess some would say that I've been following some of the, the current pattern of some games where they go, you know, oh, you play without points, play bring what you want. Um, that's not exactly how I dealt with it. What I wanted to do was, um, instead of having... like, for instance, if you play with points, your basic models are one point each. And if you choose to upgrade them, they become 1.5 points each. And, of course, you could take a legendary trait which would be point an, an additional half point. And that's how everything is. A hero or monster is three points instead. And that is how everything is pointed out. It's a very simple system. Well, when it comes to playing without points, essentially what you do, instead of just, oh, take whatever you want, which I have never liked that about, uh, let's say, Age of Sigmar, where they, they tried to push that for the first year, And uh, I've never liked that idea, because that's entirely unbalanced. But, you know, what is balanced is the way that we handle um, no points in a game, which would be, if you choose not to play with points, then you both agree on a certain model count, let's say five models each, and you agree on whether or not you are taking a monster or hero, and you agree on how many people are being upgraded, and if you are using a legendary trait or not. And essentially what you're doing there is you're making sure that you're still on the same track. You still have the same power level to your army, but you are not uh, necessarily bringing, you know, 20 models to his one. And that is how I deal with that. That was one of the key things that I really wanted to do in this game. And um, I still find that most people play with points. I like to play with points too. It really doesn't matter to me either way. But um, it's you, have, you do have more customization if you're able to, um, you know, if you want to take two regular guys... And uh, Or rather, three regular guys for a point each, and I want to bring a monster, well, that that balances out things pretty well. And the whole idea behind points was also very difficult for me, because I wanted the points to be very, very simple. Like I just explained, one point for a basic model, a point and a half for an upgraded model, three points for a monster hero, and no matter what you take, if you choose to take one legendary trait, you can only take one. That's an additional half point for that model and th- that makes it much much harder for game balance on my end on the design end but it was very important to me that we did just do a um, a simple point system. So of course what I could have done is I could have um, I could have done you know oh this person is okay basic models are 10 points. But if you upgrade to this class, it's it's, you know, fifteen points, which is equivalent to, you know, point and a point and a half. But this class is a little better, so we're gonna make this one 18 points to upgrade. And then this legendary trait is only worth five points, this one's worth seven points, that's you know, war gear is worth this much, whatever. And that is by far the easier way to do that. If from a game design standpoint, because you don't really have to worry about the actual power balance of all of your units you will just decide which one is worth more and then start costing it out higher and of course if you're gw you'll constantly tweak those points because you're trying to make it balanced even though the units themselves are not actually balanced what makes the uh, the only balancing factor in that is not their ability not their damage output not their damage reception you know defense whatever it's the actual points that you're paying the artificial value for each model And that is a perfectly fine way to balance things. But then you get a very granular, okay, let's play uh, 55 points, and then this guy's going to be 9 points, this one's going to be 17, this one's going to be blah, blah, blah. And that is not at all how I wanted to do it. So what I had to do instead was make sure that all of the options, all of the four basic unupgraded classes are equivalent in their power so because they're all cost the same. They're one point each. So I had to try to make sure that a melee person overall is equivalent to a fast person. And a fast person overall is equivalent to a support or a ranged, etc., etc. And that takes far more playtesting. That takes far more work to try to balance those things. And um, uh, And then the same thing with what makes it even harder then, is that when you um, take the upgrades into account, the upgrades are very different. That's where you get a lot of your diversification in each model, where I could take one fast model and you could take one fast model, but we took two free model traits each and we took different buffs to our stats and then we each upgrade them to different upgrades in that same class. So, in other words, you might be a fast with minions, I might be a fast that's a beast. And those end up being very, very different stats. You know, they're the same class, sure, but they're very different. But we're still paying the same points for both of them. 1.5 points for a beast, 1.5 points for a, a person with minions. So, like I said, I am very happy that it is... um. It is balanced in this way, and I, I feel like all of our upgrades in our classes are very balanced after three years of working on it, but it was definitely a hard road to hoe, and clearly I also have, you know, only four classes and four upgrades for each class, so that's, you know, only a, a total of, um, uh, you know, a, a couple things to try to balance versus GW having all these different codexes with all these different units and all this, I mean, geez, that would be a lot. So to try to make sure that every troop, you know, a space marine is overall the same power level and everything, the same effectiveness level at what it does as a unit of Termagants would be very, very hard to do. I mean, you could do it, but it'd be very, very hard to do. Um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about the actual game design behind, uh, brutality and why, you know, the, slightly the struggle, but I'm not complaining because I really enjoy it and, um. Uh, I just wanted to discuss what my thought process was in making the points so small and simple, and also, um, you know, allowing for an unpointed game as well if people choose to, to play that way. So, as always, thank you for listening to my podcast. This is the PimpCron. This is the PimpCron Warhammer podcast, and I will see you next Monday.